stories of innovation and success from the vibrant communities of rural Nova Scotia. This is Ignited. I'm Wade Cleveland. And I'm Amanda Langley. Welcome to Ignited, where we celebrate rural entrepreneurship and rural success. This is the second of a six-part Ignited series on female founders. We are celebrating women in business and our female founders programming. We have a lot of female founder programming here. We do. The Ignited Women in Business series is excellent. If you have not been to one of the speaking um, series that have been taking place, I urge you to go. We actually feature um, a few of those speakers on this series, but those events are so dynamic, so much energy. They're really well put together and it's just a great space for women to bounce ideas off each other and to speak about challenges faced specifically by women entrepreneurs and to build that team to cheer each other on. For sure. And on this episode, we're featuring someone who did talk at one of our Igniting Women in Business Speaker Series events. It's Angela Riley, the founder of Scotian Shores, a company dedicated to cleaning Nova Scotia's shorelines, creating awareness of ocean pollution, and perhaps most importantly, connecting and inspiring others to act as part of the solution. So far, Angela's so-called ocean warriors have collected well over 375,000 pounds of debris from our shorelines. Angela, thanks for being here. We really appreciate you coming to chat with us. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to come back down to Yarmouth. I love it down here. So Yeah, we see you here a lot. <laughs> yeah, whenever I can make it down, I try to bring her down. We've got lots. We had a cleanup yesterday, so halfway there, might as well come the rest of the way. You know? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, tell me the story of Scotian Shores and how you did this. Give us your elevator pitch. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> so uh, it started in the pandemic. A lot of people say their pandemic turn. This was kind of one of them. Uh, I was at home a lot with my boys. We weren't actually allowed to go anywhere, but they were not going to keep me from the beach. So I was going down to the beach every day with my boys on the same beach and picking up garbage from the same area every day. Uh, we went for a trip down the Bay of Fundy and then I seen how bad it actually is and it started to dawn on me that you know Nova Scotia's got a lot of garbage and a lot of it was uh, related to one of our biggest industries sadly fishing um, so I started thinking more and if you know about Four Ocean or the Ocean Cleanup Project there's a lot of them out there just not in Nova Scotia that are really dedicated to cleaning up and my husband was like, well, how are you going to pay for this? And that's kind of where the idea came from. Well, I'll, I'll try the bracelet thing. Uh, so it just kind of started with me and my family. And I had these bracelets and I said, hey, if you buy this bracelet, I'll go pick up a pound of garbage, not realizing that a lobster trap weighs 70 to 80 pounds. So that was easy. Um, <laughs> the, the first year, it was just kind of me with a couple different uh, cleanup events where people came and it just started to inspire me. And it then it kind of went, I don't want to say off the rails, but it's been an immense amount of growth in the last uh, two, three years, more than I ever thought it would be. Uh, and what kind of turned out or started as I just want to show my kids that mom is doing something positive for the earth because that I, I had a lot of eco grief. That was this is a way to deal with it. It's uh, everybody's been really supportive. And we went from me cheering on 4,000 pounds in the first year to us being, I think last year it was 269,000 pounds we removed. This year we're already up to over 45,000. I didn't realize it came together that quickly. I'm sitting here, you're wearing your fleece with your logo on it, your hat with your logo 
everybody, this is fairly new. This is yeah. pandemic starting. Yeah. So it's like I said, I never expected it to be like this. Part of the reason why I started, because when I was thinking, I'm like, well, what do all Nova Scotians love? The ocean. What do we depend on? The ocean. What do people need to do during the pandemic? Get out. So we were able to keep up our um, cleanups even throughout the pandemic, even throughout the lockdown, because beaches are public places and you can keep six feet of distance in between you, no problem. And people really needed that thing to get out. So it, it came from a whole lot of different things. Eco-depression, uh, me being a mother, the need like it's just it's needed in Nova Scotia right now and even more than what we're doing uh, and love for the ocean myself because I come from a fishing family. I'm a naval reservist. I'm a sailor. I worked with sea cadets. I I am personally a lobster fisher person now that goes out and bands. So, you know, there's all those different things that kind of add it to it. So from a <laughs> entrepreneurship perspective, love the whole idea of this and the bigger picture play. But you always have to think about how, how you monetize things. So from a business perspective, how how have you turned this into a business? Like, how are you funded? How do you... I, you're doing this full time now. So. Yeah. So when, when we first started, it was just the bracelets. Uh, and then as we started getting out into the garbage, the, the same question kept coming up. Well, what are you doing with the garbage? I don't like the answer I had to give them at first. It's going to the landfill. So we're taking the garbage from one place and putting it in another place. In the last two years, uh, we've learned how to make rope mats. We've learned how to do baskets. So basically what we do is we're taking the garbage that we get from our cleanups or other locally sourced products, uh, and then we sell them. And the money, like we pay for the stuff, the extra money goes back into our cleanup. So it's actually like a social enterprise is what it is. We are registered as a business. Uh, I did that because there's less paperwork. <laughs> not a good reason, but it also there's enough not-for-profits out there that need that funding. Uh, so we were self-funded for the first probably about year and some. And then we had some other people starting to notice us, like uh, Homeris Eco Center, which is up in New Brunswick. And they also, they're part of the Fisherman, Maritime Fishermen's Union. So they gave us some funding, which was real good kickstart for our year two. And now uh, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans gave us a Ghost Gear grant for last year, which really uh, that helped a lot because I was able to say, okay, I'm not volunteering my time anymore. I'm going to be able to leave my other uh, employment and really focus on this full time and be able to hopefully someday pay myself a living wage. But I mean, <laughs> if, if you love what you do, then it doesn't feel like work anyway. So it's uh, there's lots of different ways. We, we get sponsorships, like the big uh, Yarmouth Earth Day event that's coming up. Uh, it, it is almost completely sponsored by fishing organizations or people that are in the industry, like Vernon Dion's, um, the Seafood Alliance. So a lot of the people that are in the fishing industry are realizing what we pick up tends to be a lot of fishing debris. And I'm not saying it's all thrown over on board. It's just if you're fishing some stuff is going to be lost. We know this. It's just a given. You get 30 replacement tags, I think it is, for lobster traps. So that means you know you're going to lose about that many. So the, I think the fishing industry coming in and helping and saying, hey, we want to support this, that's been a real big help. That's a huge piece because when you first started doing this, a lot of what you were finding was coming from the fishing industry. And I was afraid that there was going to be this us and them division. There was. 
but there seems to be buy-in from the fishing industry now. It took it took uh, a year, and it also took me risking my life. There's a reason why I went out fishing. For us to be out there pulling up all this stuff, the, the fishing industry gets so much hate, and not just like in Nova Scotia, they do. Everybody assumes when you go to a beach and you see a million lobster bands that they're throwing those overboard, and that's that's not the case. But it took me going out and fishing and, and asking questions like, oh, that bait bag, like, why do we find a lot of those on, on shorelines? And then with the seals, duh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like right. the seals. So it's easy to blame. It's the the... The age-old, uh, easy to blame when you don't understand. There's yeah. two sides to every story. Yeah, well, and the, the fishers, the ones that are actually out there fishing are the front lines. They're the ones we think about. They're the ones right there. So they're automatically the ones you blame, which the fact is, is not all everything's coming from them. There's a lot of aquaculture gear out there too, which is the exact same stuff. Um, but yeah, it really took me, I've been out on three different boats. I've gone out fishing about six times and every single time I've learned a lot. And then our biggest cleanups that we've had in Barrington and on the Cape, the only reason why they were so successful is because the fishers come out to help us, the lobster fishers, the our Irish mossers, and with their knowledge, because they know the ocean the best. We might know the shorelines, but they know the ocean the best. They can explain to us how some of it got lost. They know where the currents go, uh, and they have the boat knowledge too. So it's this year has been great. I, I'm very excitedly waiting for them to allow me back out on the boat. So it went from them hating me to allowing me on their boats to not allowing me on the boats in the winter because they want to protect me. So there's a very big relationship, but it did take some time to get through that. And that's because, and I see it to this day in our group, I have to every boat once a week come down on people and say, hey, don't put all the fishers in the same boat. There's bad apples. And you, by you saying that is pushing them away from us when we really want to bring them because the more they're out here helping us and showing that they, they can help and stuff, the more that the bad habits will not happen. Yeah, I'm wondering if through this partnership, there's ways to prevent some of this garbage from happening. Like if you, if you understand each other and you're seeing what's mostly washing up on the shores, you understand how that's happening if there's a way to prevent it. Well, yeah, if, if you're out fishing a mile off, you're not seeing what the shorelines look like. But uh, I'll never forget the day, uh, Huntington Point last year, we had two tons of garbage washed ashore in a week. New garbage. Most of it was from Maine, I can tell you that, um, by other things that we track. And I had one of the fishers come out. I begged him to come. I said, you got to come to a cleanup. And he took a walk out. And when he come back to his car, I will not repeat what he was saying, but he was very angry. And he looked at me and he said, no wonder why you hate us. And then he left. Wow. It was because there was a million lobster bands. There was bags. Of, it was just, it was so bad. And then I went fishing with him and he took me to what we're pretty sure most of the bands are coming to, some of the oat flow pipes. Never would have known that if he hadn't come out, seen it, and said, okay, you need, an, you need to know the reason why, and took me to show me why, where a lot of this stuff's coming from. Um, so it's not them being flicked overboard? Sometimes. Or... There's, there's losses. I've lost a band. A, a baby lobster took it with him when I threw her over. I was like, no. You know, and the, <laughs> the fishers were like, you better go in and jump and get that. You know, you better go get that lobster band. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, but yeah, there are some. And there's still a lot of people that believe that they're biodegradable, so they're just washing them off. But we have found out that uh, a large percentage probably of them are actually being flushed out of the pipes and the systems uh, from facilities because there is... Uh, no prevention required, um, only a follow-up afterwards, and the follow-up is a letter. 
There's no fine, there's no nothing. They can just dump garbage out their pipes. And then it gets blamed on the fishers. There's a lot of playing the blame game, but facts don't necessarily line up with that. But it's just those assumptions and what happens a lot of times. And you have a a wonderful social media, and I think it's helped to kind of build your community. But you have to be very careful because social media kind of feeds off of outrage and upset and negativity. And so... How do you keep it positive? Yeah. And you've done a good job of that. I, I flip. <laughs> yeah, there's frustrating there's, there's about times. A week, there's about a week in the month where I'm like, it's time to give everybody crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that, like, me as as a business, I can get away with some things. I've had not-for-profits come to me and say, man, I wish I could say what you say. I wish we could say that, but they can't because then their funding's cut off. But the the reason, the very first reason why I really actually got a Fisher out was because of one of my stirring the pot posts. It was uh, unrealistic Christmas wishes. I, I put my hands out and said, Fisher's to come help us clean at the, the cleanups. And about a week later, I got a message being like, you should be saying that stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll come out. And it, that was because I pissed You're them like, off. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's do it. Merry yeah. Christmas. Yeah. You know, so, but I have to be careful because I do, I do have some other guys that have sworn me off up and down. They hate me, but then they go to another cleanup group and clean up with them because they hate me so much. I'm like, that's yeah. okay. You still won. <laughs> like, yeah. As long as you're out there, because it is, it's it's always a, a juggling act of figuring out where we fit in and not pissing off too many people, but, you know, getting them upset enough to do something. So There's so much I'd like to talk to you about. Let's talk about some of those lobster traps because there have been, I have to tell you, the, the one that you did in, in Chiboke, in Chiboke Point, where you picked up truckloads of lobster traps. It was amazing. And that's a lot of work. And that's, it's not like those guys are purposely throwing those things away. There's no blame game to be played there. And how there. much do they weigh? Uh, it depends. The ones Chabogue, there was some double wides. So they're like 80, 90 pounds. It depends on how messed up they are. But the ballast, the heavy part that makes them sink, that ups the weight pretty quick. Sometimes I will knock that out if I'm by myself because it's too much. But uh, yeah, the traps there at Chabogue Point, uh, for example, they're, some of them are decades old. They're older than me, and we can tell by the tags that are on them. Um, Some of those traps are cut off. I am going to say that right now. There are still guys out there that cut off their traps, remove the heads, open it up, and say, it's fine because the lobsters can get out. But the scientists people have proven that that's not actually the case. They will use that as a home, and then the big lobsters actually start eating the baby lobsters. So it's a really vicious cycle. But a lot of the ones there, you could tell they're smashed. So they they might have been cut off by propellers. They might have been lost due to storms. But then there's, uh, we found, uh, what beach was it? We found a trap from Maine one time. Just up in the Bay Fundy, I was like, how the heck did that get up here? <laughs> you know? But yeah, there's so many reasons these traps could be lost. I want to tell you about our Igniting Women in Business series at Ignite, providing rural women entrepreneurs an opportunity to connect, learn, and build their network through a series of initiatives, including a speaker series, gala, and retreat. We hope to inspire and empower rural women in business across the province. The theme is relearning through a women's lens. The sessions offer a space for women to discuss challenges that are faced by rural women in entrepreneurship, with opportunities to learn, network, and socialize. For more information on Igniting Women in Business and to sign up for our events newsletter, visit IgniteAtlantic.com. I have to ask, what's the weirdest thing you found? Are you allowed to say that on the podcast? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, well uh, some of them I'm not going to say what they are <laughs> because it's uh, adult toys. Oh, okay. <laughs> Many of those. You wow. would be surprised. Um, we'll get I've, lonely out at sea. <laughs> apparently. Uh, teeth, like dentures. Oh. I've got three sets from one beach. Very weird. Uh, we Scientific instruments are always interesting, like the lobster trackers. And we did find one of the great big yellow scientific, I don't know what they were. Uh, I'm a big fan of giant buoys. Like, but yeah, that's, they come home with me. But uh, yeah, there's, you never know what you're going to find. Uh, rocket parachutes. There's been lots and lots of random finds. Things that are from like the 1960s are always really interesting. Uh, there was one time we were in Scotts Bay, which is in the very interior of the Bay of Fundy, and we found an octopus pot, which would have come from Africa. Wow. There's, you never know what you're going to find. We usually have a prize for most interesting find to make sure that I get them back. Yeah. Know, like, bring, bring me your treasures. You know? <laughs> like, I have a fascination with um, pottery and I feel like it tells such an amazing story, especially if it has writing on it or any just, identification. Yeah, I just found a piece of a ginger beer uh, that says Halifax on it. And one of the places I pick, I was like, nobody's going to know about this spot. <laughs> like, I'm not sending it. people here to clean up. <laughs> you know, like, it's terrible. But That's the, the I'm a nice sea stuff that washes up. Yeah, which is still garbage. But we do take some of that and repurpose it and sell it too. So Yeah, yeah. I have a big bowl. Yeah, I love I love sea glass. And you're in the good spot too. So <laughs> and of course it's not just uh, we've focused on some of the major stuff because of the fact that a lot of the I mean, if you're talking rope, you're talking all of that stuff. It's coming from the fishing industry. And I'm sure you're finding your share of just plain old garbage. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um I call it urban garbage, that stuff. So in Halifax Harbor, I'm not going to find rope and traps and all that stuff. I might find a piece of rope from the marina there, from like sailing boats, but uh, it's it's gross in there. Tampon applicators, condoms, uh, plastics, containers, like film plastics, plastic bags. It's all. I dislike picking in there, in Halifax urban garbage compared to the Bay of Fundy, which is fishing gear, but it's just cleaner. <laughs> um, but we also do find a lot of plastic containers, a lot of caps and bottle caps and a bit of film plastics and stuff like that. But really, probably about 80% when we're in the Bay of Fundy would be fishing-related gear. Talk a little bit about creating this this movement that you created. And it really, well, I don't know if you intended to, but you did. And it's, you you call yourself an ocean warrior? Yeah, or yeah. ocean warriors. That was just kind of a name I come up with. Um, so because of my cadet training and military training, uh, I'm really good at motivating people, teamwork, creating a team, that sort of thing, leadership. Uh, I'm not very sciencey. So I really focused on that method of getting people in is, is inspiring them. And that's Part of the reason why you see some of these silly videos sometimes because people are able to laugh about it when it's usually such a depressing thing. Uh, me going out on the beach on my own in the beginning, it, I mean, it was it was helping my eco-depression, but it was also making it worse because it was like, why is nobody out here helping me? And instead of being sad about it, I was like, no, I'm going to flip this and make it good. And I realized very quickly I was not the only one that was feeling sad. And there are so many solo pickers or ocean warriors or whatever they want to call themselves around Nova Scotia that are just to the end of the rope, like that just comes in every day. There's a lady down in the Bay of Fundy. She can clean up her beach and it's six hours later, it's trashed again. And she's been doing this for 30 years. Um, and people are just getting depressed over it. So it was 
I find we collect a lot of people like that that are just they're really they're ready to give up but then they see oh what are you guys what are you guys doing and then I'm like come come in don't be alone anymore you know come come join us even if it's one time a year and I think a lot of people get uh good feelings over that like yeah. yes I can pick up one bag on my own but like for example yesterday at uh, Ogilvy we got 1400 pounds filled up a truck and a trailer full of trash that feels really good yeah it's also sad because you're like oh my gosh that's a lot of garbage you know like but it's also like okay good and we all have our we can hug now that the pandemic's over so that's good I'm a hugger <laughs> you know? hugs are important yeah hugs and sometimes a beach fire and little things like that but it's it, it the movement I it wasn't fully meant to happen. It just kind of I, I go with the flow, and that's where all this has happened. Like it's I kind of let it go, and what happens happens, and it's worked very well. So when you collect, do you sort through it on site, or do you take it back to a place and sort through it and decide what you're gonna make with both? Okay. Um, sadly, a lot of what we're finding is still not usable. Um, the rope can be recycled now, which is great. Not in Kings County, but in Yarmouth, you guys are awesome, and you do recycle rope here and down in Barrington. And same with lobster traps; they can be recycled. I mean, when I started this, that was not the case. Uh, but on site, we try to do counts of how many things. Things. Uh, like yesterday, I think we got over 5,000 lobster bands. Um, was I sitting there counting every single one? No. I was like, okay, there's at least 50 in this bag, so we're going to say there's 25. You know, just to, nobody can question our numbers. Uh, but as we're going through, if something comes up that's usable, it gets thrown off to the side. Like I'm trucking home a bunch of aquaculture piping this weekend. One of the art museums in Dartmouth has asked us to, can we have some of your beach garbage? I'm like, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, How much would you like? Yeah, right. Take it all. But now we're actually, we're at a, even a, the next step of this, which has been a dream for of mine for two years, we're actually going to be starting to take some of the beach garbage that is unrecyclable and making stuff out of it, like coasters, East Coasters. I saw your, your video on social about Very that. Very excited. So at the beginning of a cleanup, we will give people an extra bag if they want. I never make people separate if they don't want to do it. I don't care. Go clean up the garbage. But a lot of people are very excited. So we divert out like plastic bottle caps, lobster trap tags, shotgun shells. If they find really colorful, pretty rope, they'll put that in the bag. So we just call it a treasure bag. And we've been able to divert some stuff like that. Uh, plastic bottles on the shoreline, everybody thinks that we should keep those because you can get money when in fact they should not be going in the recycling because they're degraded, which means that that is now worth less. And like in Halifax, they don't want that stuff in the recycling. They said, please don't. <laughs> uh, I don't know about down here, but every municipality is different. So we try to divert as much. There are some times when it's just like, go get it as much as you can and get it out of here. Like the Cape this year uh, for the summer, we did 75,000 pounds off of one island. It, there's still that much twice over there. Uh, but there wasn't much recycling going. <laughs> I'll be honest, we were just boating and trying to get out. Now, the lobster fishers were going through the traps and taking off all the usable pieces because it was like, woohoo, free gear. Yeah. And we would die anything that they were like, oh, what's that? We'd throw that in an extra pile. Uh, Barrington Municipality was pretty good where if we did put the tires and stuff off to the side, they'd come and get them later on. But we try our best to divert what we can, try to encourage people to do that. But everybody kind of has their own thing and I want them to stay happy at a cleanup and some people just get really annoyed by having to 
separate things. Um, my big question, if you could you know, shake a magic wand and get one thing that would make all the difference for you and what, how you see Scotian Shores kind of taking shape over the next few years, what would it be? Well, it's not going to make us any money for the business, but uh, Scotian Shores, that's not what we focus on. If I could shake a magic wand today, it would be the lobster bans to be stopped dumping um, for the politicians and for the Nova Scotia government to actually do something about it that's preventative. Uh, because when I take a group of people onto a shoreline and we see literally 10,000 bands, it is the most soul-destroying feeling and It's hard to clean up those two because they're so small. There's, yeah, and I'm not excited, like, but uh, yeah, that right there, um, it just, it is the probably top demotivator right now. The rope, like, yes, it's there, but it's because we know that they're being dumped and because we know that the government isn't doing very much and that the facilities just don't care. It just wants, makes you want to give up. So if I could shake a magic wand, it would be for Nova Scotia to stop being so irresponsible with lobster bands. They're talking about it more. So that's, it's there. The fisheries and aquaculture government here in Nova Scotia is doing a little something that they can, but uh, it's the environment and climate change people who have no follow-up. They send a letter and that's end of story. Right. That's not going to make people change. Let's talk about your website just for a sec, because it's cool. There's a map there, and that thing, to me, is inspiring, because what you do is you have a map of Nova Scotia, and you mark all the places where the uh, the cleanups have happened, all those beaches, and the weights that connect with them. And that is a lot of stuff and a lot of work over the last few years. You have to kind of just stand there sometimes in a moment looking at it thinking, I did How this. did I do that? Well, it's interesting because I've, I've got the edit power on that. So I can make each year just come off at once. So I can look, oh, 2020. Oh, there's Angie running around, you know. Oh, she went to Inverness. You know, 2021. And just you can see it growing into, like, you can see the growth on that map. That, to me, is the coolest thing. Uh, I really, I enjoy that. That's not me doing all that work. I've got people in the background that love data. Not saying I don't love data. I'd prefer to be on the beach. But yeah, that, that map's been great. You could, Sometimes if you're on the right type of computer, you can see what the most common items were too. And part of the reason why we do that is so that anybody can look at that map and say, oh, I can access right here. And it kind of shows you where the access points are too. Yarmouth, it's not as bad. But like in the Bay of Fundy, it's very cliffy. So you'll notice the spots are in certain areas. That's because it's cliffy. Mm. So there's mm. that. Uh, we want to make another layer on that map that's going to show where it's dangerous. So don't take your dogs here. But yeah, the map's really interesting. And that that's including, it has our group cleanups, and but it also has all the solo cleanups. So it's, it's really cool to see. I, we need to make it so that other people can see that yearly thing. We did do a different graph that shows like the exponential growth, but it's, uh, the map's really neat. Yeah, I agree. It's something I wanted to make happen. And I had like a not good version of that. I'm not super daddy, but one of my, I call them data masters, uh, Brian, he came in, he's like, what about this? And he already, it automatically uploads itself now. I'm like, Awesome. <laughs> I just go in and check every once in a while, but it's just... It helps because it's such an important visual, and a lot of people need visuals to really understand a subject. I'm, I'm a very visual person, and I think a lot of us are. So if somebody's listening right now and they want to get involved, 
whether they want to join a beach cleanup, whether they want to buy one of your branded toques or one of the pieces that you make with recycled materials. How do they do that? Uh, so the easiest way is to follow us on the socials. Um, for the cleanups, if you send us an email at Scotian, uh yeah, scotianshores at gmail.com. We have a what's called the cleanup alert email list. So it's a list of, <clears throat> I think we have about 600 people on there. And anytime we have an event, an email goes out at least a week in advance, unless it's like, oh no, emergency, go, go, go. But in the wintertime, we try to let people know at least a week in advance because that's a reactive season. In the summertime, we actually will have like a tour schedule set up. We keep the events on our Facebook page. The website, I don't keep up to date that way because it's just a lot of work and it's just easier to say go to Facebook and that automatically updates the event right. But yeah, the email is probably the easiest way. And then following us on Facebook, Scotian Shores on our event tab. And can they buy your goods on the website? Yeah. Um, So some of our items are on the website. Not everything. The stuff that's easily shippable is on the website. But we, uh, I do the market uh, every week in Dartmouth, and then I skip around to different markets too. I've done one in Yarmouth. I go to Lunenburg once a month, uh, and that's for like our bigger items, like the rope baskets and mats and. Uh, baseball caps because they're a pain to ship and there is also the part of extra garbage with shipping and all that so one final thing um in Yarmouth when you first came it was pandemic time and maybe that was part of it but there was a lot of buy-in here and you have a good community of ocean warriors here doing that work how is the rest of the network? How many ocean warriors would you say you have that are out there doing things? I have no idea because we have people that do one cleanup a year and they're done. And then I have people that come to every single cleanup. They must be up in the thousands. Like, And the thing is, is ocean warriors aren't just the people out there picking. They're the people out there helping us make stuff or taking our stuff and repurposing. Or, or just talking about you and spreading the right? word. So or... that, that's another thing that I've always said is we all play a part. Everybody can play a part. Everybody's got their own thing. So not everybody physically can go out on the shoreline and do this. So they have other parts they can play. So Yarmouth, you're right, Wade. Holy man. They grabbed a hold and like there's so many names that I could go on right now. Like they are heavy hauling. I think part of the reason for that is because there is a huge fishing industry down here. That is what we depend on down this way. Um, And a lot of people with ties there. So they want to keep clean. And there's people that I don't even connect with down here yet down Cape Fortune, a group of ladies that are always cleaning. But uh, yeah, we're, we're spread far and wide. I'm very big on having a local person before I break in somewhere. I need somebody local to that area that's going to say come in and invite me and say this is where the garbage at people are very outside driven here it's very easy same with bay of fundy i can get people out no problem halifax better have a barbecue and maybe something fun and something else tacked onto that to get them out so it's 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 a culture thing sometimes too and that's a great call to action if there's anybody in northumberland shore or cape breton who would like to get in touch Sounds like that's an opportunity. Yeah, and let me know where the garbage is because I have gone and searched up there and I found a couple places, but nothing to what we see in the Bay of Fundy, which may be the case. The Bay of Fundy acts as a vacuum, so we see a lot of garbage there. But yeah, I want to go up to Northumberland and Cape I love Cape Breton because sea glass. So I will take any excuse to go. <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's garbage and sea glass. <laughs> 
<laughs> Angela, thank you so much for what you do. It's inspiring. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just to put it out there, I am often thanked myself, but I could not do this without everybody that's helping me, which includes you two, because you're talking about it. You're getting the word out there. But like, I'd be a very sad little person if I was still out there running the beaches by myself trying to clean this up. But the hundreds and thousands of people that have come and helped us and the, all the organizations is really, they need to be thanked as well. So yeah, thank you for having me and being part of this. It's fascinating. Thank you. To find out more about Scotian Shores, visit their website, www.scotianshores.com. And to get more involved, follow and interact with them on Facebook on their page, Scotian Shores Ocean Warriors. And to find out more about rural innovation and what Ignite does, check out IgniteAtlantic.com. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Let's do this again soon. I can't wait. I'm Wade Cleveland. And I'm Amanda Langley. We'll talk again soon.